This Lent in traditional and modern worship, our pastoral team is preaching the series, God Moves Us. Jesus didn't stay in one place for long. His earthly ministry was one of moving from one place and encounter to the next. He also moved through every part of the human experience, encountering everything from temptation to joy to suffering and even death. As we encounter the life and ministry of Jesus, we cannot stay the same. We ourselves are moved to grow and change as followers and imitators of the gospel. The comforting truth of Lent is that we delve deeper into our own self-examination. We find that we are not alone. God is still on the move in our lives, walking with us every step as we travel the road to Easter. Hear now the Easter account as it is presented in the Gospel of Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. And then the women remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A bank in Binghamton, New York, had some flowers sent to one of their competitors recently. They were recently expanding their business into a new building, and they just wanted to show them a little bit of support. There was a mix-up at the flower shop, and the card sent with the arrangement read, with our deepest sympathy. The florist, greatly embarrassed, of course, said he couldn't imagine how this mix-up happened, and he apologized. It was halfway through the day when he sat up straight with a horrified look on his face, realizing that at a funeral somewhere, someone was opening a note that said, congratulations on your new location. I cannot take any credit for that one. I have to thank Pastor Robert for sharing that little nugget with me. Today is the final day of our sermon series, God Moves Us. Movement has been a very fitting theme 
Lent represents Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness where he relied and trusted in God in the face of temptation. And we've attempted to mirror that in a time of self-sacrifice and repentance. We entered through the heavy gates of Jerusalem with Christ on Palm Sunday, and we heard the cheers of the crowd as they praised him for the king that they wanted but not really the king that they needed. We followed Jesus into the upper room as he breaks bread with his disciples in that final meal and is brought to those who hand him over to brutal death on a giant wooden cross aside two criminals. Finally, today we join in elation along with the women who discover Christ is no longer in the tomb. Death does not have the final word. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But the movement that we have explored during this time isn't simply about the coordinates on a map. True, Christ travels from the River Jordan to Cana, to the shores of the Sea of Galilee, to Samaria, to Bethany, to Jerusalem, back and forth again. But the, his movement is less about place and more about change. Christ moved among us on earth to change people's hearts. He wanted them to know a different kind of king, the Lord of lords, a sovereign God who cares for people and offers grace and new life to each one of us. In the scriptures we've studied, we've seen people walk away from a Christ encounter completely changed. Now, we know the Easter story pretty much backwards and forwards. Many of you know it so well, you could likely school me on the different nuances in each of the different gospel accounts. No one here needed Dr. Morgan to issue a spoiler alert before he got to the end of the scripture. But there's a difference in knowing that story and being transformed, being changed by it. More often than not, more often than we like to admit, we're more like those disciples, all but Peter, who remained stationary in disbelief and skepticism. We've heard the good news, but we want to just stay right here where we are, unmoved, unchanged. Our church is adorned with beautiful flowers today that speak of new life and creation and rebirth. We've heard the hopeful story of resurrection, heard the beautiful music. We're likely going to enjoy the remainder of the day stuffing ourselves with wonderful food and spending time with family. Might take a few pictures in our Easter finest, maybe even a very damp and muddy Easter egg hunt. And then it's Monday. It's just a Monday. Are we still Easter people as we journey into every day and all the joy and pain that it brings? Or do we find ourselves in the tomb instead of proclaiming the not news that Christ is risen outside the tomb and in the world? But friends, 
if we can just carry this Easter news of resurrection with us that offers the unending grace and love of Christ, it can move us out of that tomb to find healing, to encounter hope, to experience wholeness. Now, those words, healing, hope, wholeness, they can sound, I have to admit, a little bit like a Christian cliche, kind of like adding the artificial swirly icing on top of a Twinkie and then maybe throwing some sprinkles on top. But if you've lived in this world for any length of time, you likely realize that the stuff of life we continually seek to fill us up, to fill up our souls, doesn't add up much to the real things. Love and grace, healing, hope, family, friends. These are the things that fill us up. Moments that reveal the true emptiness of our souls are often brought about by periods of suffering or heartache or pain. When we ourselves feel enclosed by a tomb, not a literal one, but a dark place with just a little bit of light that feels small and lonely nonetheless. Even the easiest and best of lives encounter pain and suffering. And the women who've journeyed with Christ into Jerusalem, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and others, they know much about that kind of pain. We don't know if they've been with Jesus every step of the way in this journey throughout the week, but we do know that they traveled with him into Jerusalem as supporters, as disciples. The women then witness, they wait, and they watch at the foot of the cross as Christ is put to excruciating death. It only recently captured my attention that these same very women accompanied Joseph of Arimathea to place Jesus' body in the tomb. It's in the last bit of the 23rd chapter, right before what Dr. Morgan read. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, he wrapped it in a linen cloth, and he laid it in a rock-hewn tomb where no one had ever been laid. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and they saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointment. The women rest as commanded on the Sabbath, and then they wait until the next day, and they go back in this long process to the tomb to complete the burial. It's not really easy for us to even fathom the depth of what they would have been feeling, the trauma of what they have seen. But though not the same, we do know our pain, don't we? And it runs deep, too. The unexpected or sudden loss of someone we love, losing a job we've depended on as a living for many years, caregiving for a parent with a memory-stealing disease, watching a spouse endure the ravaging effects and treatment of cancer, 
grieving after divorce or the end of a relationship we thought would go on for many years, facing the realities of addiction in family, watching your child struggle with mental health issues. The scale between moments of joy and moments of hardship are rarely equal in anyone's lives. God is with us in the shadows of these tombs, though, and can slowly, gently, and lovingly begin to help us venture out. We have to take the steps for sure ourselves. He's not going to push us out, but belief in a God who loved us enough to send his earth can bring healing in any unexpected ways. Many of the people I've encountered, and probably you've encountered, that are the most filled with joy are the ones who have seen tremendous pain. I was sitting this morning, and I was reading over this particular portion of my sermon. And I was reading it, and I kept thinking, something is still just missing in this particular part about healing. So I'm thinking about the last two years of my life and, and of Asbury and of all the people here who would be here today and some of whom might never grace the doors of church on a regular basis. And what would they be thinking? They would be thinking, but how? How does that healing happen? It's not magic after all. Well, churches all over the world have struggled throughout time, but admittedly, it's felt, it's felt especially difficult in the last two years. It's a little like being on a roller coaster, but it doesn't really have any end, if you can relate to that. And in the microcosm of our small little corner of 119 and 280, that has been no different and in some ways more painful within the last six months. But I cannot tell you how many times during these past months I've received a call or a text or gotten a card or a hug or an email, maybe even a holiday-shaped Reese's cup. My office is down the hall and on the left. <laughs> Some word of encouragement from so many of you that has healed my soul bit by bit. I have a whole box of these written moments of love that I look through when I'm just having one of those days where I feel particularly low. You have been a vessel of Christ's love to me, and I know to our other pastors as well, and that has brought healing to my life. God lives and works and moves in the world through his people to bring healing alive. As God moves us out of this tomb, we experience that healing and also some hope. 
I'm doubtful the heartbroken women who went to the tomb that morning even hoped to find it empty. After all, they saw Christ broken and body, broken body, lifeless there in the tomb just a day before. In Luke, there are two heavenly figures described as men in dazzling clothes. It's like they're describing all of you here today in the Asbury Sanctuary. I just love that. Dazzling clothes. The angels had dazzling clothes. They said to the women, why are you looking in a graveyard for one who lives? You won't find him here. He has risen. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? He said that the new human would be handed over to godless people and executed, but that on the third day he would rise to life again. Oh, and then they apparently remember. They're like, oh, yeah, we forgot about that. We just totally slipped our mind that he said that. Much like us, they easily forget the assurances of Christ. Our God is not a God who forgets his people. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. There's a gentleman who passed away in July of 2020. His name was Eddie Jacou. He was the self-proclaimed happiest man on earth. He died at the ripe old age of 101. Jacou was born in Germany in 1920 to a family that considered themselves German first, Jewish second. Beginning in 1938, Jakku and his family were sent to several different concentration camps, including Bauschenwald, Gurs, and eventually Auschwitz, which he later described as hell on earth. Because he had studied engineering, he was spared the gas chamber while having to watch his family die. Jakku himself was sent on a death march during the evacuation of Auschwitz, but managed to break free. He hid out in a forest and survived on snails, slugs, whatever he could forage out of the earth for months until he was rescued by the American army. Jakku said after the war, he was so terribly miserable, unable to get out of that place until he met his wife, Flora, and started a family, had children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, which he never imagined would be possible. He then said, despite his experiences, he doesn't hate anyone. Hate is a disease, he said, that may destroy your enemy, but will definitely destroy you in the process. Where there is life, there is hope. As Christians, our hope in the living Christ gives us hope when it seems as though there's not really any left in the tank. It's the light and the warmth and the sustenance we need 
to move out of the tomb and into new life. So allowing God to move us out of our tomb gives us healing, and it gives us that hope. And finally, it gives us that wholeness that we so desperately seek. The women who witness the empty tomb and hear the news of Christ's resurrection, they return quickly to tell the disciples all about it and what happened. Peter, the disciple who betrayed Jesus three times, immediately gets up, runs out, goes to the tomb to see for himself. I had sort of an afterthought about Peter that perhaps he desperately needed the resurrection to be true. He had never had that opportunity to say to Christ, I'm so sorry. You were right. I doubted you not once, but three times, and I'm sorry. I have a sense he feels rather incomplete. But the remainder of the disciples, those who firmly attest to love Jesus, they pay no attention to this news, dismiss the women as foolish and silly, and essentially they're kind of like, oh, we think you're making this up. Now, women are commonly disregarded in the patriarchal society of that time, so it probably wouldn't have been shocking to them to hear that dismissal, but I have to think it would have stung just a little bit, especially since they were the ones, all but one disciple, they were the ones who sat at the cross of Christ and watched him die. The remainder of disciples are nowhere to be found. I can't help but think of the debate that continues in churches today about if, how, when, and by whose authority women should be allowed to share the good news of the gospel. It's worth pointing out that despite many of the discrepancies in the gospels, one detail they all share is that it is the women who are given the task of announcing the good news of Christ's resurrection. Can I get an amen and I'll just stop here. <laughs> it was just a small soapbox. Y'all can tolerate it just, just for a second there. But the women and now even Peter, they've seen it with their own eyes. And no one can take that away from them. The wholeness they experience comes from the fact that they've witnessed the resurrection, and it's something that they can hold in their hearts forever. Regardless of title or race or creed or denomination, how much or how little we have in our bank account, how many people like us or dislike us or follow us, our ability to follow Jesus, to find our identity in him and him alone is not subject to change based on anyone else's belief, permission, or opinion. Christ alone has the ability to affirm our worth as human beings, to forgive our sins so that we can start anew and afresh each and every day. It's that unconditional love and grace we receive in Christ who died, who lived again, that completes us. There's a very unique place of transformation. It's called the City Museum. It's in St. Louis, Missouri. I've actually been there 
twice, and many of you may have traveled there as well. The first time I was in St. Louis with two friends seeing you two in concert. I'm probably dating myself a little bit there. The second time I went, and we just had some time to kill, the second time I was so captured by it that I wanted to take my children back there. So Jim and I went on a road trip through Graceland and over to St. Louis to the City Museum. The whole museum is composed of pieces of junk, of St. Louis, areas that had been demolished and thrown away. Things that were abandoned, discarded, put in the trash, deemed useless by the citizens. Concrete, rebar, rusty gears, cinder blocks, ceiling panels, broken tiles, shards of pottery, even empty beer kegs, broken bottles, all the things that had been tossed aside as worthless or unusable because it didn't belong anymore. They transformed this trash into this beautiful and eclectic playground for children and adults. One room formed scraps into a swampland forest, Another room is a bank of safes and mirrors. Outside, people climb high into the air through gerbil tunnels made of rebar. There's a broken airplane and even a dilapidated school bus hanging off the side of one of the buildings. There are times in all our lives when we feel as broken, worthless, and useless as the garbage strewn across a city when it seems easier to hide in a tomb of despair than to risk pain and hurt in the light. It is then that God wants you to know that he specializes into turning broken and worthless objects into objects of beauty and value, in helping us move out of our tomb into healing, into hope, into wholeness. This is the story of Easter in which God turns death into life. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us pray. God of love, you help us each and every day to transform anew into Easter people. It is by your mercy, your love, your grace that knows no bounds or limits that we are able to change and to grow. Help us go forth from this place carrying pieces of this story with us and turn it into the lens with which we see your world. God, we love you. We praise you in all things, in great and small things, in valleys and peaks. It's in your most holy and precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen.